And are we going to go with like, is this going to be like a New Orleans funeral? Is this going to be like a Viking funeral? Like which cultural folkway are we picking for this funeral? Is it going to more like a goldfish? Funeral. Is it going to be a goldfish funeral? Yeah. Is it going to be? Have you ever read Hunter Thompson's obituary for Richard Nixon? No. It's been years. Uh, oh God, it is such a piece of literature. Uh, Richard Nixon's body. Uh, Richard Nixon has gone home to hell, and his body is not fit <laughs> to be burned in a dumpster. I mean, it was just like it's. it's, it's so I'm not, I, I don't know which way we're going to this on offense. I I did go and I re-listened. To the uh, the hype episode, mm. which did we did we mention Optane? <laughs> did we mention Optane? Uh, I believe your exact line was that Optane blew a DUI on hype. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there, there's no better audience for my jokes than myself removed <laughs> by six months. <laughs> no, it was great. So no, no, we definitely talked about Optane. Uh, we then also used that. And unfortunately I got like, I managed to get like trolled by past us in that we also talked about HPE's the machine and the memristor and Cole Frederick who did the notes. I've got no idea how, but he dug up that HPE machine ad that I was describing. Did you watch that thing? I did. And, uh, it's, yes, I, I did. I think I tweeted it out afterwards or something. I am so glad that he found that because I could be convinced that I dreamt that. It is so <laughs> insane. It's bonkers. And HPE has clearly like engaged a PR firm and paid them good money to scrub this thing off the planet. I mean, the one we're linking to is 100% illegal, no question. I mean, it is a, like, that thing is waiting. So, like, I would say, like, view it, but also don't because I'm worried that it's going to get a DMCA takedown. It's amazing. That whole thing is just, uh, it, it's like, it's like revenge advertisement or something. <laughs> oh, that, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, that's exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> like, like some cringy ad you made a long time ago. That was a big mistake. It's like, left around God, no, places. this person keeps posting it to social media. You know, I, that, there's just no amount of restraining order that will prevent them from doing it. Uh, it, but that thing is, is absolutely bonkers. And it does kind of dovetail in, I feel, to like the the saga of Optane. I'm kind of like wondering where exactly we want to uh, kind of tack in here. Um, so one one way I thought about tacking in is, first of all, the because there was an article that was written that kind of prompted this in the register. wasn't very good. It was very. I mean, my tweet was did Optane write this? I did read that article. It was not great. Not the best. I did read it, and it felt very one sided. Uh, it, it, I mean, it felt like, uh, yeah, like, a, like a weirdly apologetic, like, you know, it never, you know, it, it was never appreciated in its time sort of thing. I don't know. It, it, it felt much too it fair. Felt, it felt like, much too fair. And I also, in particular, it kind of implied that software is to blame for Optane's demise. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Software is not to blame. And to the contrary, I think that like you and I have been around people, and we ourselves have been these people, predicting the non-volatility of main memory for as long as I've been in the industry. Yes. So my question, actually, Tom, for you is, has that been true for your career as well in terms of people believing that main memory will be non-volatile at some point? Well, keep in mind, I got started with core memory, which is non-volatile. Touche. Yeah, fair. Right. And somehow, somehow there was no software required to make it volatile. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But so it, has that been your experience as well, that people were, have been kind of – because I also feel that like – and actually, so Tom, this is actually interesting. It's a good, 
a good segue in terms of the physics changes that you have seen in your career. I mean, obviously, core memory to DRAM is a big one um, and, and yeah. an important one um, for a lot of reasons. I was trying to think back to some of the physics changes that we have seen. Because certainly, I, I mean, Adam and I, Adam especially, on the absolute forefront of the real, the most profound physics change I feel we've seen, which is the introduction of Flash. Yeah, Flash is huge. I think that's got to be true, but now I've got in the back of my mind some of the EEs working with us at Oxide, who who you know may beg to differ on, you know, like uh, I, I, IBM transitioning over to copper or something like that. But certainly, as I'm aware of, it feels like the most significant. Change. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna. Yeah, the, the other the, the other long running tension is between fiber and copper, where people. People are always saying, oh, well, you're going to have to use fiber to get to those speeds. And then the copper guys come out with the latest thing. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and, and certainly the fiber and copper have been kind of leapfrogging one another. And each has advantages over the other. Um, but copper certainly has economic advantages and, and not. Um, so, yeah, that, no, that's, that's a good point. Um, I was also thinking like SMP, Tom. Um, the, I mean, just special quality processing, yeah. and just in general, the hitting the memory wall and needing to add another compute element, and then ultimately, which I do, I mean, I, I kind of do consider chiplets to be a, a, a physics change, where we, and in part because actually there were people, and many people at Intel, who believed that chiplets were impossible, that it, th that was the wrong approach, and that proved to be the right, so I, I, I don't know, I, wrote, I would kind of give that, give partial credit to that one. And Arnie yeah, just joined I, us, so so maybe he can he can weigh in too with with his you know more than two cents perhaps. Well, yeah. I, I was going to say that the, uh, the, the on the on the sort of interconnect side, there's always the oh the integrated photonics or the, uh, yeah 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 right. you know integrated light is just around the corner just around the corner here soon. <laughs> well, and I don't want to spoil it too much, but I've been told that it is going to take yet another couple more, more years, even though I was really thinking that it was going to happen, but. No, not so much. Well, and Arian, you and I are both hugely bullish on integrated photonics. I don't, have we dragged you down this this rabbit hole, Adam, on integrated photonics? No. Oh, no. I mean, <laughs> it, oh, it is a delicious rabbit hole. I, I mean, it is very exciting where you are effectively taking light straight into the into the dye, right? Um, and uh, eliminating a whole, and then that allows you to go to much higher speeds, presumably much lower power. And there are a bunch of reasons why integrated photonics would be super, silicon photonics would be super exciting. Yeah, l lower power, but also much better reliability. Much better reliability. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the, 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 the integrated photonics that Intel has been using for their, um, their optics that you can buy today, um, they claim a thousand times better reliability. So three orders of magnitude less likely to fail than existing optics. Now, we would obviously have to put that to the test, but that's definitely where you need to be if you want to <clears throat> put photonics in a chip and solder it down to a, a board and you know expect it not to. Yeah, not but to the break. the photonics is is great, but the lasers are still kind of sucky for because of temperature problems. Yeah, but that's so that's their claim to to that they they solve that by integrating that all on a substrate. So it's it's all part of the silicon. Is the, so there's huh. no there's no separate parts there. Right, which is. I like yeah. the, the the guys doing it with the off-board laser providing the light. Yeah. Well, so I was also going to say like, like the purely optical computer, I feel, was something. Because I remember in the, I want to say like the early 90s, there was a research group 
that had some extremely promising results with a purely optical computer. It was going to be, and then that thing just completely evaporated. I've got no idea what happened to that. Um, Another one that was a heartbreaker for me personally, and Adam, I know you've heard me go on about this for like fucking two decades now, um, but carbon nanotube-based memory. And this company, Nantero, that had a like super promising, and it's like still around, that nanotube-based memory, they had this great observation that instead of trying to grow these tubes in a particular orientation, they would let them grow kind of like all over the place, and then they would use photolith to zap the ones that were out of alignment, which felt like a really good idea. And then using like Van der Waals forces to like bend these things, it just felt great. And they had like, out, all right, it's interesting you should mention three orders of magnitude because that does seem to be like the number of orders of magnitude that you need to really get attention. It was like three orders of magnitude denser than DRAM and two orders of magnitude faster than DRAM and then non-volatile. It's like, oh man, this is exciting. But no, it has not happened. It's... Well, there's a there's also Everspin. It's got non-volatile, but they've never been able to get good densities or cost. Right? Everspin is what you call it. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Everspin, right? S P I N. Yeah, Everspin. Ever spin. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we, yeah, what? Uh, this MRAM. Okay, yeah, that's another one. Yeah. Well, well after uh, after we started seeing NAND in lots of places in the enterprise, don't you feel like there was this sort of um, like a uh, renaissance of exotic memories that, that were people looking for the next thing in the hierarchy. Like, uh, like all these technologies we were talking about sort of ha- had their own sort of moment of discussion, you know, in the sort of 2010 era, 2010 to 2015 era, as people were looking for the next step in the memory hierarchy. Yeah. I mean, I do think that like certainly the uh, NAND actually really bursting into the memory hierarchy and becoming meaningful for basically all compute from personal computing, obviously handheld computing and, and server side computing. It did, I think give a lot of inspiration to a bunch of these things or maybe a funding maybe. Um, You're right. And, and the other one, uh, Tom, do you remember holographic storage? This is another one of these where it's like, am I tripping? Did this actually happen? I swear IBM was talking about holographic storage. But, oh. but, yeah, that definitely I, rings I, a bell. Oh, guy, I, 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 there's some three three D types optical thing. I don't know if that was holographic. I, Adam, I really thought you were just going to fuck with me and be like, "Oh, was a walrus there?" And were you on a boat? I mean, I, I just <laughs> thought you were just going to play out because I, as I was describing it, I'm like, "This actually sounds more dreamlike." But I, no, no, they're all right. No, they're holographic data stores. Well, Brian, in that case, we've both had the same dream because I also remember reading about that a long time ago. Right. So, and it's like what. We might be sharing the, right. the, sharing the hallucination. And I do feel that like we as technologists, it's incumbent upon us to remain optimistic about, I mean, it's like, we don't want to be too cynical about these, about new physics because that, those things can be really relevant. And so I think I just want to like set the stage that we, I would like to say collectively are not anti alternative physics. <laughs> Optane, do you see where we're going with this? I know. I mean, I just, I, I just, because I feel like that was kind of the tone of that article was that software kind of refused to adopt this thing. And I, I really feel pretty emphatically that that's not the case. No, I think we wanted to believe it just let us down. Yes. Uh, J- Jeffrey, you joined. Did you want to hop in? I just wanted to say that uh, Microsoft Research is still working on holographic storage. 
there you go. Oh, that's good. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, well, and, and honestly, like all of these efforts are, I think, great and important. I think that we um, now. All of that said, DRAM is really, really hard to beat. And if you're going up against DRAM, uh, and it's also a moving target, it's getting better and better and better. It's been, I mean, it's not just writing Moore's law, but it is. Uh, there are there's so much economic incentive. To continue DRAM densities, uh, and of course, it's very high speed. And, and that's the key. I mean, the economic incentives are the key of what made uh, NAND pervasive, right? Because prior to its ubiquity in right. mobile, like I mean, you know, NAND had existed since the seventies or whatever, and even SSDs. Um, so when we started building the uh, ZFS storage appliance, or what would later become the ZFS storage appliance, we were kicking the tires on the SSDs. And the first batch we got in like 2006, 2007 <laughs> were all intended for ruggedized uses. Right. Like, you know, show us uh, the form factor of your helicopter and we'll tell you the right SSD because, you know, obviously you have a vibe problem. Um, and then it was the next batch where we started seeing high performance and high capacities. But it was all, you know, enabled by this economic shift. Oh, wait, not all high performance. Uh, when was Mr. Shipbag in there? Do you remember Mr. Shipbag? I, I don't I, I do remember a, a, a drive affectionately known as Mr. Ship. Yes. What was its pathology? Uh, I mean, it would certainly it, like go out to lunch for like a very long Mr. Shipbag had worse performance than my IBM PC XT. Was the, I actually pulled the the <laughs> like the Seagate drive spec on that drive. It had 93 millisecond writes. And Huh. Yeah, exactly. Well, because it wouldn't. Well, I, I I I played with the early batch of SSDs where you could get it so backed up that it could take five or six seconds for a write. Jeez, yeah, that's bad. Well, and so I think, of the, and Tom, there's kind of an interesting thing there about like the nature of the physics with the NAND, like the way that it works, has certain implications for software. And I think it was actually really important to know how NAND works, know how it's operating, like know why it's called Flash, right? I mean, the name Flash comes from the way effectively the physics works. It reminded the inventor of, of a flash going off and effectively resetting a large bank. If I, I think I remember that correctly, right? Adam? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that was at Toshiba, I think, back in the day, right? And what when was whatever Flash was. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. so uh, sorry. So this leads us to. I, I do want to kind of get to the main event in terms of uh, Optane, Nay, uh, 3D Crosspoint, uh, Nay, Apache Pass. Oh, that I see. I, I couldn't remember the other code name because I remember coming to you at one point, probably in 2015 at Joint, maybe 2016, and talking about like 3D Crosspoint or something. And you being like, "Oh, do you mean Apache Pass?" Because you you had been read in by the by like folks making it, presumably. Read in is really strong. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, yeah, I mean, so we had, I mean, and I still like absolutely love our our Intel rep was terrific. She was great, and wanted to give us as early visibility as, as she possibly could on things. And so she had given us early visibility to Apache Pass. It'd be interesting to know for folks that were at like hyperscalers that may have had even, that would have had much more intimate relationships with Intel, uh, or really just anybody that found out about Spectre Meltdown, not on Hacker News on January 2nd, 2018. Um, the, 
Um, but uh, she was describing Apache Pass, and it's like intriguing. And my first question, and it may have been actually, I think many of our first questions was, "That's great. How does it work? Like, what is it? Is it holographic storage? Is it phase change memory? Is it, it is it MRAM? Is it you know what? Or is it something totally new? Like, what is it?" And not for her own fault, because but this was just the position of Intel was they were not going to describe, in fact, have still really not fully described what it is or how it works. And this, I think we get to very serious failing, like debilitating, critical, fatal failure number one is that Intel's refusal and its secrecy in terms of describing how it worked, I think really limited what people could go do with it. Because I mean, I, I actually think that it's really important to understand the physics of this stuff so you can understand, I mean, like, obviously, like, you know, I'm a software engineer. I don't actually, like, I'm not going to weigh in on this, I'm not, you know, I, you know I, but I, I, I don't want to understand how it works so I can replicate it. I want to understand how it works so I can understand what the software implications are and how to treat it and how to think about, you know, as we're kind of thinking about next gen stuff. And I, they, I, we, they would never answer how it worked. I don't know, Adam. Did you ever? Did or did anyone ever get an answer from from Intel? No, I, no, never, I, never an inkling how it worked. Uh, and but I, but I think they, they had this weird position where they really thought it was going to be the golden goose or the goose that gold laid the golden egg. Right? They thought that this was going to be both ubiquitous and proprietary, which like that those things don't happen at the same time. Okay, that's actually, because hold on, they, that's they, a really important point, actually. Just like I think that's actually pretty profound what you just said, in terms of like ubiquitous and proprietary don't exist at the same time, or at least not for right. long. Right? No, I agree. With you. It might be a, a, a held attention momentarily, but they, they but they really believed they this. did, and the, yeah. and they were because and correct me if I'm wrong, they were building special support for this into the chips they were making, like into the CPUs they were making. Yeah, and if you wanted to play at the Optane you know, super fast, you know, playground, it was going to be Intel only when it came to CPUs. Yes. It, right. And so, it, it, so Facebook had a box, at least one, because I've, I've, I've never seen it because it was in a data center, but <clears throat> we did some experiments or people in my pod did some experiments with writing the, the level one and level two structures of an, of an LSM to this, um, but it never, I don't think it ever materialized into anything more than a prototype. <laughs> and I don't know why. Uh, but I know there was an actual machine from Intel with, with indeed a, a Xeon CPU that was able to support this and that ran this. Um, this was before we even knew what it was called. Yeah, yeah they, they definitely had the platforms prototyped and available for developers and all that. And, you know, became a real product, but... I'm not sure it ever had a viable roadmap. And Tom, did you use it, or Arian, maybe when you at Facebook were using it, was this, in which kind of embodiment was this? Because I think the the very confusion that Optane had about where do we belong is actually, you can see that in the form factor, where it was like, it was made available in both a DIM and an SSD form factor. But I think that the, the, that the initial vision, certainly as it was, I believe it was portrayed to us in whatever it was, 2014, 2015, was this is going to be a, a a dim form factor? This is going to replace dims. Yeah, we were we were supposed to look at it as a dim because what we, they were trying to do is 
write basically just use the in-memory structure like, like the the in-memory representation of the first levels of the of the lsm you just didn't have to serialize them to disk you could just leave them in memory and they would always be in memory. right and so it would be and it would be crash safe and whatnot and like there there were some claims made that were definitely pretty wild but the that was the intent to use that as the as the the in-memory representation and just never have to serialize these and therefore you would avoid all those secondly though the position was that pci express was going to be too slow and therefore it had to be on the memory bus right you know to, to really show off what it could do Arian, this reminds me of um, you're talking about Facebook and it's considering an opt-in. Um, I had a very interesting conversation with Jeff Rothschild. Uh, this was probably in 2016 because I was um, briefly an entrepreneur in residence and he was doing some diligence on a company and I was called in to do diligence on the same company. And um, I found myself in the uncomfortable position of making a claim that, that Jeff really didn't like care for. And the claim that I made was that for memory, persistence is sort of a parlor trick. And, and the reason I said that was that if you've got data that is persisted, that's important, and it's only on one node, so well, how, how useful is that in an enterprise setting? Um, and he, he corrected me saying that like the startup time for these nodes in your in that Facebook infrastructure was critically important. Warming up those caches was critically important. Uh, like I, I sort of agree with him, but it also feels like, and Brian, you've said this in the past, the volatility volatility of memory has its benefits in that you don't keep around some corrupted state persistently forever. Yeah. I do think that memory being non-volatile is both there, there's terrific potential there, but also terrible peril. And because I mean, if you've ever had, I mean, and Adam, obviously we have had in our careers, uh, but in, in many ways, like the gnarliest bug I've ever been involved in debugging was a data corruption, a kernel data corruption bug that managed to leap the fire line into CFS. And we had, we had a couple of instances where that wild kernel data corruption had corrupted a buffer that was on its way out the disk. And it took us so long to put those two and two together that like, wait a minute, this, I mean, it's, I think it's actually one of the very few cases of, I think it's actually one of only two cases of on-disk CFS corruption I've had. And it was due to, a, and so the idea that an arbitrary memory corruption issue, now all of those become persistent, that is a scary idea for sure. And I'm like, mm, I want to think carefully before opening Pandora's box on that one. I mean, obviously, as Arian, as you're talking about, as Jeff was talking about, uh, it, there's great potential there too. I just don't know. I don't think we would want to make it transparently non-volatile. I think that that would be perilous. I think that's part of why that whole experiment never really went much further uh, or, or definitely never went into production. Um, because exactly that if you want to protect against that potential corruption then you're going to have to 
in addition to what you're already doing in memory, you're going to have to add more over on top of that. And now you're starting to chip away at the benefits. So you're going to have to calculate some amount of parity and keep it on the side to potentially prepare your primary data structure. Right. And now you're, take, you're chipping away at all those supposed benefits that you're going to have. And you might as well have serialized it somewhere and just kept it Yeah, on, I mean, Arina, I, I, I feel like you're, that's, a, that's kind of another embodiment of what Adam is saying too, about like you've got these all these other factors now that you're going to have to consider because this is your single store effectively. And I like your point about, yeah, like we, we don't actually use uh, in software, this happens in hardware, but we don't actually uh, keep auxiliary data structures to allow us to repair our state in memory, but we're going to need that. We would need to do that in a, a world that's all non-volatile. So uh, in the, Arjen, do you know what the, cause I, I've got to believe though also, that the Adam, because you had another point that went on too, in terms of it being Intel only. But but before you get there, I think the other problem is like just from a performance perspective, it just didn't deliver. Well, in in a price performance perspective, yeah. in particular, right? It was. I mean, the the beauty of NAND flash, you know, after iPhone and iPods and everything dropped the the, the price of NAND so dramatically, or or iCredit for dropping the price of NAND uh, so dramatically was that it was like, it really sat nicely in the middle of that hierarchy between, in, in terms of price performance between disk and DRAM. And I always felt like Octane was like a little bit faster than NAND and a little bit cheaper than DRAM, uh, as opposed to- and, 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 and it was far overhyped for both of those roles. Yeah. yeah. There's also- yeah, yeah, you couldn't get the density out of it to really use it for large so we like looking at indices it's like okay well i don't know how much data that is going to be potentially gigabytes of data but because because you can't go very deep in terms of levels there so you you quickly either run out of space there or and then you you need to spill over the flash anyway and then you you know the programming model doesn't work very well and so there's all these all, all these auxiliary things it's like there wasn't really a position where it would naturally fit and i think that's, and they uh they, they only got to 512 gig dims, but they required a normal DRAM dim paired with it. So the overall density was only twice as good as you could get with a 128 gig. Dim. Yeah, that's a good point, Tom. That the, And that was just kind of the burden of the form factor. So there were a bunch of things. We, and then you kind of get into like optimism, you know, this very, as Apache Pass, this kind of very promising birth. Um, but then it becomes delayed. I mean, it definitely took longer than they thought, which fine, understandable. Uh, the economics didn't seem to deliver. The part of the reason that I, I kept asking, how does it work? And I kept trying to explain it. Like, look, if you can't explain how it works, I'm not going to adopt it because it, it, I can't just take a magic box. I, I need to understand how it works. And in particular, the reason I wanted to understand how it works, is that the question that I had was, does it wear out? And the answer, even though Intel has been very reluctant to say it, is yes, it does wear out. And it is my understanding. Really? Because yes. I, I never got a clear answer. Like I, I yeah. Well, or, well, part, part part of their PR blitz when it first came out was that it would not ever wear out, and then they had a major design change to to support wear leveling on on the dim stuff because it did wear out. Right, and so it, which which makes the whole discussion about corruption of your persistence right it's like why are you worried about it it's not volatile it's like does it wear out no well maybe it's like wait a minute what 
No, it doesn't wear out. Just just be careful with how you write. To <laughs> so, just don't write like, to the same spot. Well, <laughs> so, well, which is well of course, there, there's Rowhammer, so you have to worry about D-Ram, too. It, it, uh, to, to fair. Well, and actually, so, and actually, Rowhammer is kind of an interesting point, Tom, where you've got something that is a technology that's very well understood, and still we are learning things and getting surprised by the way that it behaves. In that case... I mean, I don't because Rohammer won't actually. I don't think will actually destroy DRAM, but it will allow you to read cells that you shouldn't be able to read. Um, so the, uh, but yeah, the, the, that's, that's a very good point. I, I think that also at some point they're like, no, no, it doesn't wear out, and then it's like, no, it has like it's a thousand times better than NAND, and you're like, wait a minute, isn't it like wouldn't it be infinitely better than NAND if it doesn't wear out? Why is it only a thousand times better than NAND? <laughs> so it's like you know, it's also a thousand times better than NAND, like. Like older Nand, like Nand that isn't trying to get to, <laughs> right. you know, like such such tiny lithography. And then I just feel like there was a bunch of like kind of stuff that's like kind of slimy, where it was like, oh no, no, like it won't wear out for the 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 depreciation time of the asset. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. that is not the question. <laughs> that's a big asterisk. That's a big asterisk. Like this is like, they, like sorry, when I asked would it wear out, like that's not an accounting question. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like no. The warranty is only two years. Right. It's like, wait, well, why? That's right. Why do you mention that? Why are you talking? <laughs> because about it won't wear out during the warranty period. Like, what do you not explain? What do you not understand about this trick? And then you're like, well, can you just explain how it works? No, 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 we can't explain how it works. But it's and it's also like, okay, is it phase change memory? No, it is not phase change memory. You're like, okay, which Intel did. I mean, Intel has, and I think that the there was, I think the E Times actually, like, someone took one of these things apart. And and validated that it actually is PCM. It is phase change memory, and it is using calcitonite glass. But it is not. But it is, it, there, it is more complicated than that. But it ultimately, it is using. It is phase change memory, and I don't understand why Intel. I don't know if they were concerned that if they just called it phase change memory, people would begin to ask a bunch of very legitimate follow up questions. I, I just I don't get it. And I think it was a huge. So I think that was like kind of mistake number one. Honestly, is not talking candid. I I wish they talked candidly about it. Left it as a as a very as a research project that they're putting a lot of money into, as opposed to trying to really put it on a product roadmap. Well, and, and maybe they, of, maybe they were afraid of attracting patent trolls if they named a technology. Could be, but oh, man, Intel's got a lot of Intel. a lot of lawyers. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I. I and do you remember in, in terms of the product roadmap too? Do you remember it, it? They they hyped its use as non-volatile memory, but the first products were all extremely expensive, slightly faster SSDs, right? And and then tried to push a narrative around this hybrid model. Yes, and where where we had been using NV-backed DRAM in this kind of hybrid model. Uh, and it wasn't clear to me that like you needed that much, you know, that much log space and tent log effectively. Uh, well, plus all the new all the new SSDs have DRAM caches anyway, so it, it, totally. Well, and we had, I mean, th that was actually the the SSD that that we affectionately named Logzilla, um, sold to us by the person who didn't go to jail, um, unlike his brother, I think. Right. That's right. That's right. Well, I mean, they were all. <laughs> part of, of Aztec together. So I, 
I, but yes, only one of them went to jail. Yes. What's the um the movie about the arms dealers? What is that? That is um I, you know I watched that not even that long ago. Lord of Lord War. of War. Don't you feel like we were kind of like playing out Lord of War with flash drives? <laughs> now I do. Absolutely. Wait, Lord of War or War Dogs? War Dogs. Was it, no. was it funny or was it serious? No, no, it was War Dogs. It was like okay. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking of War Dogs. Maybe I need to go watch Lord of War. No, it's it, it's it's War Dogs, which is which is listed by the way, Arian, as a war slash comedy. Um, so there you go. The old, That's also a little. It's dumb. So yeah, it is. Comedy. It's comedy. But the, the so uh, maybe I should go watch Lord of War. But this is about out of War Dogs. Have you seen War Dogs? This is Jonah Hill. No, okay. so no. The, 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 this is about these guys. They're both great. That that, that become basically arms dealers. And get way over their skis. They kind of become accidental arms dealers and kind of get into this very shady underworld. And I feel like with we were so early in Flash that it, I mean, as it turns out, the the company that was the leading company in this, Aztec, uh, was involved in some really serious criminal activity in that they were stuffing the channel and lying about their results. And lying about the results to the street, to, to be clear. So a public company. And uh, and did but like the I feel like of the Machete brothers, like Mark did not go to jail. I know I, I think they like I think they were both like off on technicalities or something, but they clearly did it. <laughs> yeah, and then and then they had to like uh, kind of do some arrangement where um, Mark's brother, I can't remember the other one, had like wasn't allowed to be the CEO of the company. Anyway, there was a bunch of there was a bunch of stuff. Elizabeth Holmes treatment. Yeah. So, it, but the. But so that drive, sorry to get us, didn't mean to take us down the, the War Dogs lane, but the, the Flash Dogs, um, that drive had, D, I mean, that had DRAM on it. That was the whole point of that thing, is that it was using DRAM yeah. to front, front Flash. Yeah, and, and this was the, um, this was actually technology. So Aztec was originally, or uh, I guess, you know, when we stumbled into them in, in around like 2006, was selling a lot of like consumer SSDs and, and consumer DRAM. And, you know, if you went to Fry's, it'd be packaged S-Tech. And they acquired this company, GNU Tech, from England uh, that was building these pretty pretty neat SSDs with FPGAs on them um, for for the, um, you know, for the FTL and for the, for the controller. Um, and then, you know, acquired that company and divested all of the less interesting parts of S-Tech to really focus on this technology. And that particular device, from our perspective, didn't have crosshairs on necessarily DIMMs or even storage. It was actually battery-backed DRAM that we were seeking to replace with that thing. Yeah, for, for us, I mean, it was, a, it was a lifesaver in terms of having battery-backed DRAM effectively that was then dual-attached. So getting out of the, yeah, sure, it's not volatile, but how many machines can attach to it? But um, for their channel stuffing partners, um, <laughs> EMC, it, 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 it was re- replacing short-stroked 15K RPM discs. Right. And I don't I remember this. Do you want, we priced it sort of reasonably, like maybe twice what it cost us or something like that. Do you remember how EMC priced no. it? No. The same drive. What they did is they calculated the number of IOPS <laughs> in a 15K RPM disc. <laughs> <laughs> and then charged proportionally for these SSDs based it's purely good to be on king. Absolutely. So these drives that we were selling for like, I don't know, like a thousand bucks were like no joke, like $32,000 from EMC. 
I, you know, God bless us tech for stuffing that channel. Who wouldn't stuff that channel? That channel deserves to be stuffed. <laughs> yeah. Well, and just, just to, to fill in the details there, it was like the um, EMC bought a ton of them thinking they were going to sell a ton of them. It turned out people didn't want them so much at $30,000 or, what, or whatever. Uh, and they said to Aztec, um, you know, we have enough. Like, this is the last order. We're going to make this order because you're twisting our arm. But this is the last order you're going to get from us in a very long time. And then... Uh, and and then Estec turned around and said to the street, uh, you know, up and to the right, everything's looking great, no obstacles on the horizon. <laughs> Don't know what you're talking and about. Then, oh, yeah. And then and then and then the two brothers sold a, a shit. Oh yeah, right. Then there's that. Then there's the wild there's profiteering from the insider information right. that the company is about to collapse. Yeah, yeah. There you go. But not convicted, I think, if I recall correctly. <laughs> I think that they were. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I definitely remember like a bunch of Wall Street Journal exposés. But like, hey, wait a minute, wasn't that the guy that was in our office? I got to get to that guy. <laughs> I mean, our current partner, right? Yes. So listen, I'm just trying to say that like when you're talking about new physics, it, it's gonna like it's a wild wild west out there. It is the I'm not sure what the the the, the octane equivalent of this is, but the it, it, I also feel that like they they so they were confused about who they were competing with. Is this better DRAM? Is it a faster SSD? And then there was the, Tom, did you have where they were making Optane available in these dim form factors that had both DRAM and Optane on them? And their firmware on the dim was going to take care of, of caching the, the, the it, it, it was going to basically syncing things out from the dim. So they were fronting that they were doing what the S-Tech drive was right, doing. Right. I'm like, I do not want that kind of firmware on my dim. That is terrifying. It, it's like these, well, you know, like these uh, hard drives that have a little bit of NAND in them. I, I think they've kind of fallen out of fashion. But, but you I'm know, the same thing that that, that that was just the prototype for the the real Apache Fast product, where the firmware just moved into the CPU chipset. Right. And it's still still dark matter in there that you can't. So the, okay, so Tom, this gets us to I think, and Adam, you hit on this earlier, but this is another fatal failing of this is that it required, and it, the, Tom, was that software, that logic, was that in the management engine? I, I feel like Robert knows the answer to this. So Robert, if you listen to this, I'm sorry. No, I think it's a whole, a whole new subsystem in the it, chipsets that support it, that. And in the memory controller, effectively. That would, yeah. yeah. So the, the, the upshot of this was that you could not use Optane on anything that was not from Intel. And that was really debilitating because now you're a if you get locked into Optane, you're also locked into Intel. Uh, and for us at Oxide, we actually did take a look at Optane. I, I don't know, I feel like we were taking a look at Optane when you, right? When you joined, we were looking at Optane. Brian, you can also look at this the other way around. If you buy something else on Intel, you don't accidentally buy Optane. What, what do you mean? If you, like, oh, I don't want Optane. No, too much sure, I'll just buy AMD. Because oh, that's right. I can never ever right. run Oh, yeah, that, right, exactly. You, you, you can't actually <laughs> stuff Optane into my parts. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yes. This won't, just won't yeah, 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 fair enough. But Adam, we were looking at Optane, right? I feel. We did look at it. Yeah. Very briefly. Uh, you know what? I choose to not remember that. Like, I, I don't remember that, but I think it's probably by I feel that... It was, a, it was a, one, one of the bullet points on the list of, like, uh, in the shootout between the CPUs... We held the door open for a little bit of like, oh, this could be possible, would be possible if we had Intel CPUs. 
but I feel... And then we conclude, nah, we don't want it anyway. We don't want it anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of feel like the... And I think that, like, if Optane had lived up... To, I mean, it would have been a different world, and they might have been able to pull off some of the stuff had it been just absolutely... Just DRAM beating performance density and so on, and economics. Like, that would be... Maybe you could pull this off, but definitely not with it being a laggard. And and for us, it was just like, it was not... Now, there have been companies that have bet completely on Optane. Um, did you see did you see this item? Do you remember Vast no. data? Do you remember these these guys? They're around. Yes, yes. No, I, I do know about Vast because uh our, our friend of Oxide who who may join us had been doing some diligence on them. And um and because they were doing doing uh Optane as like a caching tier or whatever, not as it's like a hybrid storage, not the whole thing. Right? Yes. Right. And Vast made a huge deal about the fact they're using Optane. So when I saw the, the kind of the announcement, whatever it was last week or whatever, I'm like, someone needs to do a welfare check on Vast to make sure, like, how's Vast? You see, their blog entry is like, things couldn't be better here at Vast, and I don't know what everyone is talking about. <laughs> Good. No, no, no. Yeah, no, no. It's, no, I actually, like, you know what? Hey, I admire it. I'm like, they were, you know, and the, you know, they, they, the title of the blog entry is Vast's position on Intel Optane discontinuation, colon, nothing changes. It's like, I mean, okay, some things change. It's okay. Like you, I think like colon, we're going to live would be fun. <laughs> Everything's fine. Don't worry. Right. <laughs> like, but like, and I'm clearly like, I'm very sympathetic with any fellow startup, especially one that's taking a big swing. And so like, obviously, you know, I want them to live, even though they, they bet it all on Optane. Um, but again, I guess I guess they didn't bet it all on Optane. I guess that's the point. It's like they actually they got they do have some of their chips, and they're going to win it back. But actually, well, they, yeah, yeah. I mean, their their principles. No, oh, sorry, oh. sorry. Yeah, their their principal storage. <laughs> Tom, 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 go ahead, Tom, go ahead. Tom, I'm picking Tom. Tom. <laughs> no, you, you um, probably have a more interesting thing to talk about. So go for it. Well, I, I know with Vast, their principal storage is QLC, and so they're. The Optane is mostly as a write cache, so you don't wear out the QLC. So they, they can pretty easily do that with enterprise SSD. Right, interesting. Yeah. All right, good. So, like, very little changes. Maybe something, but very little. It's good. So, they, they, the Optane is on. And I think that they were, Tom, they were the biggest adopter of Optane that I was aware of. Exactly. Who was, like, the reference customer for Optane? Well, the killer app was supposedly SAP databases. Right. Restart. Why am I forgetting about SAP? Of course. This is SA, This is Adam's SAP's SAP HANA con- conjecture. Yeah. I, I don't know what specifically you're alluding to, but like if you put Optane and HANA together, like my head is about to explode <laughs> just in terms of things that I think are such pure bullshit. But I guess people have deployed Right. No, your assertion was that SAP HANA doesn't actually exist. And you asked to be proven wrong. Like, the, who has deployed it? SAP HANA is rolled out as the reason for every Intel feature. So they were using, I believe, secure enclaves. They were using transactional memory. Was a, That was an SAP. I mean, that, now I actually don't know if I'm making it up or not, honestly. I, 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 then, <laughs> now as I'm hearing myself, I'm like, this does not sound plausible, but I swear. It's like... Like, isn't it obvious that like Hana doesn't exist? Like, you need <laughs> right. you need 
you need to like stand, you know, on the mountain at midnight, you know, with the full moon for it to yeah, come into existence. For it to, to uh, but, so, well, the other the other point of view was that SAP HANA was anything and everything that SAP was trying to do. Right. Which is so that's always dangerous because you've got like two hyped technologies are looking to one another to support themselves. Like that's definitely dangerous. I also feel like, look, okay, yeah, I thought SAP HANA existed. Right. I don't have older siblings. Okay, the rest of you heard from your older siblings that SAP HANA doesn't exist. I wasn't. I, how was I supposed to figure that out? SAP HANA is your parents. Come on, everybody knows that. Um, yeah, and it's it's kind of like two startups depending on each other. It's like it's not a big market. <laughs> Uh, I've, I've got. A, I've just handed this by Patrick Mooney, also of Oxide, that at General Mills they do run Hana, uh, and he's telling me more stuff. But I think he's already lied to me. <laughs> he's he's seeing if he can get you to believe that Hana exists. No, I like. I'm sure Hana exists. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm sure it exists. I I choose to not believe right. it. Another one I choose not that's to believe. Right. <laughs> But so that was, a, I do feel that the, and, and this is where you do get into some very strange rhetoric from, from Intel that doesn't really make sense about how Optane, don't worry, Optane is being replaced by CXL. And have you heard this, Tom? Have you heard this particular line? Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of true that, that I think at some point the CPU guys kicked Optane out and said, look, just put it on the other side of CXL. We don't want to deal, deal with it. And then it became it became even clearer it couldn't really compete with the next generation SSD. I just love the idea of the CPU guys kicking Optane out like it's a 20-something that refuses to get a job and can no longer live in the basement. It's like, yeah, right. you're not supporting your Yeah, I like, I'm just saying, like, I just, I, I love you, Optane, but you just need to get a job at this point. Like, it doesn't, this is not working. Man, transistors aren't free. Because <laughs> you know the, the the early pricing of Apache Pass, it, it was only supported on the four and eight way MP processors, which themselves cost four to eight times as much. You know, for for no chip benefit. benefit. The, okay, so, the, the Apache Pass was only on the four to eight socket. Yeah. Holy. Yeah. Init initially, I don't I don't know if they changed that. Yeah, but that was how it came out, and so you had to pay a huge amount of money for CPUs to support. Okay, that. so that the must have been different because Facebook would never buy a. Yeah. They they drew the line at a at a two socket system. They would definitely not have purchased an eight socket or four socket. But system. but this does kind of dovetail yeah, into something that Adam you observed about Flash that the and I definitely agree with that Flash needed the mobile consumer to crack into the data center. Yeah, or at least a huge volume consumer. Right. right. Like it didn't it didn't need to be mobile. I mean, it's yeah, very very helpful that it was. I mean, it, these, these physics these physics things need volume right. I to, yeah. to to get refinement. And and Intel was going after these super high margin applications where there's no volume. Right. And I think that it is a real struggle for the alternate physics to go after the high end. And I, I yeah. The it's it's a, it's a struggle because it's going to be very it has to be a very 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 compelling use case economically. Uh, it is much easier. Well, yeah, sorry, Tom. Go ahead. Well, and any of these new technologies, you have to start with one very specific, very humble killer app, and, and then hope you can grow from there. 
But it, Intel was like always like, well, it's memory and storage, and it's a whole new programming model, and you'll love it. And it's like, well, what's it? What's it really good for today? There's never an answer. Right. And what I also, I mean, it's, it's the, the TPGPU is the same way, right? I mean, it's like it really needed the mainstream market to have the the ML applicability. I mean, I think it's like if if you did not have a GPU, that thing, if we one did not need a GPU, would ML alone? maybe crypto alone based on NVIDIA's results today, would that have been enough to like to, to drag it into being? I'm like, I'm not sure. I think it actually needed that that mainstream market. I mean look at yeah, SGI, you, right? Like I'm, SGI I'm got slaughtered sure mainstream markets. Yeah. SGI got slaughtered by from below by the ubiquity of the GPU, where then this high end thing just got you know eaten by the consumer thing that was able to reach that kind of volume. Right. So I think actually so I mean that the argument there would be like, hey Obtain, you've got to find a consumer use case or it's not going to work. Like, what's the consumer use case? Absolutely. But but you can also see how the message probably played out at Intel during its lost decade, right? Where nothing was really working, nothing was top of class. And here was some, you know, unobtainium that, that they alone had. And it was going to be the cure for everything. And when it reached flash level volumes you know, the economics were going to work with probably no questions asked about how it was going to get to those kinds of volumes or, or what the apps were that were going to drive it there. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, they, they, did, they did have the consumer SSD product for, you know, laptop flash or cache management. I'm actually using one of those as a ZFS intent log now. You, wait, you're you using Optane right now? Yeah, you can buy 16 and 32 gig Obtain SSDs on eBay for reasonable. Prices. I was not ready for that plot twist. That's exciting. Yeah, and so they so as- they tried to get some volume, but but uh, the SSDs in general are so freaking fast. Nobody needed caching for them. Yes, I mean there's just not a compelling consumer use case for it. I don't think over flash. I th- yeah. So would we would we use it as an always on type thing then? Like in a, let's say in a phone, like you would never have to quote unquote, boot your OS, you would start it once, it would be in memory, and you would just keep it sitting there forever? Well, in theory, but, you know, they would have to do a lot of software work for that. So that would take a long time to bootstrap that No, I agree. You you want to do software updates, and at some point you need to boot your phone anyway. So I don't know if there's actual value here. But if you wanted to break into the consumer market, what would be the, the feature that would make it? The thing why everyone wants to ditch ditch flash and then go somewhere yeah. somewhere else. Well, nobody right. Nobody knows because right. you know that 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 that's the heart of the innovation is how do you really apply it? And it would be interesting, Arya, to know like okay, let's just say like we've got something that is basically DRAM performance and it's non-volatile. Let's just assume that, uh, and, right. and assume the economics deliver. Is what that thing is able to deliver is that compelling? And what would be, is that compelling to the consumer? And I guess it would be like a phone that, a phone that, and let's assume that our software doesn't have data corruption, all the other problems we talked about. Yeah, I guess it would be like a phone that you never, yeah, it's I don't the non-phone. I don't know, I don't if, know. The, if the power consumption, for example, would work out. Like, is it because it's non-volatile, does it consume virtually zero power when, you, when it's not in use? Can you turn it off? Yeah. Can you like persist your memory leaks now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, sure. <laughs> Yeah, you definitely get some power saving. That would be nice. Do you but, get power you know, savings? An awful lot of people. Of opting over, I, I mean, maybe over, I, 
I can't even get the so that's, that's I, the I can't even I get the know. question answered of like what is the draw of a dim, which is it turns out is uh, like an, an unanswerable question. I don't tell him you ever tried to figure this out. It's like all right, hey, listen, I'm just like you know. No, I I, I mean I was assuming because it's not refreshing, but who knows what the basic draw is. But we still don't know how it works, so we wouldn't be able to tell whether or not it's saving power. Yeah. Well, no, this is a very good point, Ryan, because I, I don't think we know how. I mean, we again, it is phase change memory. I mean, it is or reram. It is going to basically operate by putting more current through at some point to change the resistivity of it. But how much more? What does that mean? What does that mean for the actual like? And how does the draw vary on reads versus writes? I mean, I think that there was a bunch of questions that we'd want to get to that we weren't close to getting to because we were, it was unavailable and uneconomic. Uh, we didn't know how it worked, but I think you would need to answer all those questions to know if there's something compelling there from a consumer perspective. Yeah, Matt, you got a question? Yes. So, um, well, a comment. Um, so uh, you were talking earlier about the, uh, the danger of persistent memory yeah, magnifying the effects of data corruption. And I find that uh, there, I, I only, on my phone, I only reboot in two cases. One, of course, is software updates. And the other is if, there, if, if, if there's something that's... that's a miss. You know, a miss <laughs> right. in, in the OS or... And, and, and I need to just reset it. So, so having... Having more persistent memory, as you said earlier, might be a misfeature. It, it might be. It, it, it works for it works for my best use case, which which happens all the time, which is me running out of mem uh, out of battery. That's the most frequent reason for me rebooting my phone. So it would help out a lot. Yeah, my phone has this a the charming attribute that once it gets to one percent, if I plug it in, it consumes just enough additional draw that it will die as I plug it in, which is very nice. It's like. Thank you very little, phone. <laughs> and just for plugging me in, I will die. You're like, I, okay, never mind. Fine. Right, it's my fault for letting you get that low. And you're right. You're you're right to uh, exactly. You're right to find a tree. But no, it's a good point, Matt. We people we do we do have the idea that I mean we we have volatility kind of baked into the way we think about these things in terms of like I can get this back to a state. I can't do persistent damage to this thing. And there's kind of a social contract with your software engineers that persistence is going to be something done carefully and we are not going to generate something where it's bricked. But it's not clear to me that that would be, uh, that would be a feature. And it's also not clear to me that it's, I don't know if, if, if non-volatility at DRAM performance speeds and economics, I mean, is it going to happen? I don't know. I used to think it was for sure going to happen and now I'm a lot less convinced. Uh, well, do you want it to happen is actually the question because yeah. we, we kind of conclude that it's actually really hard to program. For. I think I do in that I was well, so right, this is where the CXL thing does become interesting. So even though I think it's ridiculous that Intel is and at the time I agree with what you're saying about like it's Intel is kind of like half right that CXL. Well, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. What is CXL? I was, I was just yeah. So CXL is the Compute Express link. This is basically uh, next gen interconnect, which was it had a rival. Next gen interconnect that was called Gen Z. I'm not making that up. <laughs> nope, you're not making that it's, up. That it's like it's still. A thing, but like, though. how old do you right? have to be to errantly name a generation of interconnect after a it's literal like, generation? 
It's like everyone stop, pause, pause, pause. Do, did none of you have kids? Like right, none, exactly. None of you tell your kids what you work right. on. Any no? no? All right, okay, exactly. Fine. And also, it's like I mean, Gen Z. The jokes do kind of write themselves. This is like the TikTok interconnect or whatever. But the uh, of course they did realize that like maybe this is a bad idea. So uh, Gen Z ultimately uh, Gen Z and CXO were rival standards. Um, Oh, but they rolled it into one. Thing. They did roll it into one thing, yes. And so if you, if you go to the Gen Z website, you get basically a suicide note and how it's now like... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, but Gen Z was, was 100% focused on load store memory semantics, whereas CXL is basically PCI++. Right. And so, yeah, Tom, do you want to elaborate a little bit on what that means? Because I think it is... I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's, it's not as interesting. I, I think it is... I, I honestly... Well, why, I why think Gen Z came that? out of the, the machine from HP, you know, where everything was going to be memory semantics. Are you serious? Are you, somehow are you just saying that for my benefit? Or do you that is that actually where it came from? Did Gen Z actually come from HP's um, machine? I'm pretty sure it was all part of the same evil plan. Oh, my God. Oh, we've come all the way back to the uh, Please tell me there's a Gen Z ad somewhere in the walls of HP that has not been <laughs> released featuring Star Trek characters. Uh, that would be just too delicious to hope for. But there, there were a lot of people at both Dell and HP that were totally sold on Gen Z, hmm. and they had they had some, they had some super nice physical layer stuff, yeah, very low latency. But uh, they should have applied that to something semantically useful. Yes, and it sounds like they. I mean, that effort has been folded into CXL. So, so Adam, CXL will kind of replace my understanding. Uh, Tom, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it will effectively, PCI ends up being effectively an implementation of CXL. So CXL ends up being backwards compatible enough with, with PCI that it's effectively, you know, one mode of transit is, is over PCI. But it also will then allow us to treat things um, as DRAM and in, or, or the way we treat DRAM today, namely coherent um, and able to participate in, in cache invalidation that is actually looking more like an IO device. So we can have CXL lanes to something that is an accelerator and actually have something that is like a GPU or another accelerator that's actually able to, to participate uh, in it. Well, yeah, sorry, Tom, go ahead. Brian, you're dangerously close to drinking the, <laughs> the CXL Kool-Aid. You know, this Kool-Aid that I'm drinking right now is delicious. Where, where, I was wondering where this came from. Because everyone, everyone thinks that the C in CXL stands for coherent, but... It, it doesn't really allow any new caching capabilities. What it does is standardize the way that you do mass invalidates. And basically, there's a, okay, it's your turn to cache things versus my turn to cache things on between CPU and device. Okay, so just... But you could you could still already cache things over... Just to show you that I really am drinking the Kuwait over here, isn't that CXL 2.0 versus CXL 3.0? Isn't CX... <laughs> It's like, hey, man, CXL 3.0 solves that problem. I feel like CXL 3.0 is kind of has a Duke Nukem Forever aspect to it in terms... Well, not that. That's overly pejorative. But it, yeah. it does feel that, like, isn't that isn't that what CXL 3.0 is supposed to solve? Am I... What, I God, get a load of me. What's going on? What, 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 what happened to me? Well, well, well we had... A related question: How how real is any of this? Like, am I using this today and I don't know it? Or no. Are like no. my children's children going to? It's use just it around the corner. <laughs> just just yeah, along I mean, the photonics. Right. C CXL is coming pretty fast. Yeah, it is. And uh, it, it's got good things. You know, it's faster. 
But, and, and, uh, and this is like some consor- not consortium of, of, you know, everybody and their uncle in terms of, yes. you know, who, who's well, building Intel led. Well, it's basically in, Intel, Intel said, here's what we're doing and we'll open it up for you. So everyone jumped on board. And, and you know, with kind of the Gen Z getting folded into it. So AMD is joined it as well. So we like, we will, we will absolutely be using CXL at, at Oxide. CXL will be relevant for us. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, what, I, what is unclear is whether that's CXL 1.x or 2.0 or 3.0, which has different implications for performance, but also for the degree that these things can actually participate um, in cache validation and so on and, and stimming protocols. And then that, to me, has got ramifications for, I think, for and, – and Tom, maybe – God, I, can't, I just can't believe I'm, like, I'm, I'm saying these things, but it does feel like – it allows us to think differently about the way we compose compute elements in the system in terms of having these special purpose compute elements that are able to really participate um, in the system in a way that right now, like in NVIDIA GPGPU is kind of this, this other that you've got to send things to. Am I drinking the Kool-Aid over here? What's going on? Well, I'm not sure where they are in terms of the 3.0 spec. But I'm pretty sure with 2.0, it's still very primitive in terms of... Brian, do you remember this at Sun? There was a, you know, we had these multi-socket systems. And uh, I don't know if we designed it or Sun Labs designed it or some third party designed it. But there was like a a video card uh, that you could plug into a CPU socket. Just, now it sounds like I'm dreaming. Yeah, exactly. Now <laughs> who's counting their dreams? And then what happened, Adam? Um, <laughs> and you were there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe you weren't there. This it sounds like this does not ring a bell. Well, so what rings uh, a bell actually is something that's even nuttier, where they put an MMU on a graphics card, uh, and they forked the memory system in the operating system. This is um, for uh, Leo. Back in Sun 4M days, I don't know, Tom, if you had any overlap with Leo. This would have happened, I think. I think this is the kind of thing that Tom no. would have quit over, honestly. This is like the... No, no, that, that, this type of thing I wanted in, from the early 90s was, was for I.O. devices to be MMU uh, compatible with the CPU. You didn't want it like this. Yeah, I don't know how they did it. Was, it, it was a mess. It was a big mess. But that is not what you're talking about. You're talking about a graphics card that went, yeah, that went in a CPU. Well, yeah, I feel like that it, that was not. Uh, that's where I'm. 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 I'm like, sure, that could have happened. Yeah. that might have been. Yeah, real. Was, anyway, that's right. Anyway, well, it's like well, it, not, rather than like QPI or something. This is like a not fast, not as fast as not as kind of in the brainstem as QPI, and uh, but a lot faster than PCI. Is that a, a fair summary of CXL? I would say incorporates the next gens of, of, of PCI. And this is what allows for, uh, I, I'm going to say disaggregation, but just your reminder of Jeff Ross, one of Jeff's rants that I really love is he hates the term disaggregation. He's like, you actually mean aggregation. You literally mean the opposite of what you're saying. It's not disaggregation, it's aggregation. Um, and then Robert is, is trying to coin amalgamation for this. But where you are taking, like, this is where you kind of get to the bonkers future that I think Intel's talking about where, oh, with CXL, you can now have a pool of future Optane memory, whatever that is, 
that all of these nodes are able to connect to coherently. And that's like, that's the Kool-Aid I'm not drinking. I'm not, I ain't drinking that Kool-Aid. That, 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 that's where I draw the line. There are lines that I draw around here yeah, from the Kool-Aid yeah. perspective. Yeah. I don't know about that one. I, I'd like to see that so one first. So if you want a little more divergence into sun history, there, the early 90s was a wild west of networking where we were doing Ethernet and FTDI and ATM and fiber channel and this thing called Taylor, Taylor. which was very popular with the hardware guys. And it was going to be coherent shared memory at land scale. Taylor like, and, like Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy? Taylor likes Swift? Yeah, T-A-Y, na named after the efficiency expert guy, Taylor. But... It, I could never explain to the hardware guys why this is such a bad idea. Someone help me Google this one. Are you able to? Are you getting? That? No, no. It, it 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 was totally a sun technology. Okay. Oh, this is strictly so, internally. Yeah, but it it had a lot of support. <laughs> it had a lot. Of, a lot of people drinking that Kool Aid. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh -huh. I can get like the appeal of, and I do think this gets into like. Why did Intel get so excited about Optane? I think, I, it, Tom, it was you or Adam that made the point that there was it, that it, this was happening during Intel's lost decade, and Intel needed like a great hope on the horizon, and Optane kind of for like so. There's this kind of internal narrative inside of Intel that like Optane will save us all, uh, which yeah. certainly didn't do anything to like to uh, to temper expectations. Of the technology, yeah, and I, this the hype machine was so vivid. I I just was never. I mean, I I don't think I was ever positive on the technology because they never showed me that one simple use case. Yes, I feel that I never got positive on the technology because they never explained how it worked. And when I asked how it worked, they would say like, "You're the only person that cares about this." Nobody, nobody yeah. else cares how it works. Only you. Like oh, you're the only one that asks this question. Everyone that we've sold this Every to just accepts <laughs> exactly. it. Right. So, what, all right. How many people have you sold it to? And so I like I kind of resent that whole line. I the I, I really I, people should not let their especially you know technology partners that they're going to really you know go do some really deep things with. They should not be. You should not tell someone that it doesn't matter that I'm the only one asking. It's not even true. First well, in, Intel had a had a corporate problem of, of being really good at training training their marketing people to lie, so the marketing people wouldn't know it, but they're still lying. And so <laughs> the only place you could you could ever get the truth was from the register. Are you saying they had like some like youth education camp where they would abduct future marketeers as like children, so they don't actually know they're lying, Tom? They believe that they're telling the truth. They're gonna like. Pretty much. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. It got dark. Um, yeah. So it, and it, it, in terms of the, 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 so the kind of the lonely death of Optane, I mean, I feel like the writing has been on the wall for this thing for a while, Adam. The, this thing was not. Yeah. Like al almost from its inception, it feels like, or at least from its first products, like each product was progressively less compelling as the expectations just got higher and higher. But the only time it seemed interesting was before it existed. Yeah. It kind of ended up like the, the ended up like a gambler on a losing streak. It was like, we're going to put more and more on the next generation. It's like, no, like I'm going to make it all back in the next generation. It was like, and it was just not happening. And it yet. Yeah.
it, yeah. Yeah, and it was like, oh no, we're gonna we're gonna get the volumes by shipping the SSDs, and then that will bring down the price for the memory. And it's like, well, yeah, right. You're never like you're just in hock. Like you're never gonna make this back. You should just just pick up your chips and and go with, home. with what what few of your trips remain. And all right, and then That's what's right. the business with Micron? The, the the Micron marriage and then a subsequent divorce over this thing is super weird. And Tom, I don't know if you had yeah. Do you have any insight into that? Not really, but but the real nail in the coffin was when Micron sold off the Fab. That was the only Fab that. Well, well so <laughs> like like I alluded to, I have, a, I have a friend who's been close to this, and has drunk way too much of the Kool Aid. And one of the things that that clearly Intel has has indoctrinated him in is um, blaming Micron. Like the, the failure of like no the the, the reason why it's your mother opting, it's your mother I I, I actually want to have this I would be very reasonable I just want to see you every other weekend and your mother's preventing it it's it, like uh, that uh, Optane would be fine had it not been for Micron losing faith and then they'll never get to the volumes and and so on and so forth so. Uh, I mean, he said this to me with a straight face, like he believed it. So clearly, he had been hearing it from a lot of folks, even though it's like total nonsense. And you, and, and yeah. you think that 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 Mr. Snub, our our our, our shared acquaintance here, was a real advocate for Optin. He had really, he said he drank the Kool Aid. Uh, well, uh, drank the Kool Aid. Maybe it was just that he had. So he had been working uh, with or, or, or like with folks from Intel on some collection of products, you know, in and around Optane. And, and I sound vague, but that's, that's as clear as he was with me as well. And um, so I don't know that he, he drank the Kool-Aid necessarily, but I think that he was around, he was around it so much. And so many other folks were drinking the Kool-Aid that, that some of these messages started to, to sink in and, and take hold. Uh, and the other thing that, thing that was funny is that like he found out about the death of Optane, the way that, you know, everyone else did that. That no amount of proximity to <laughs> right. Intel clued him in, which which he also get a sense of from the vast blog post, yeah. where you know they probably had not heard about this six months ago to to get their ducks in a row. I mean, and they, I mean, obviously everyone knew that Optane had been transitioned to hospice care. I mean, this is not a huge surprise, I don't think, was it? I mean, I don't think that they, you know, they had done enough that that it was it was clearly struggling at at pretty basic levels. Um. So it was not. I don't know. I was not hugely surprised by it, um, especially after the, the the Micron divorce. I don't know. I was I was working with otherwise smart people who were still pretty optimistic about really it. about Optane. Yeah, within the last year. That's impressive. Did they, would they could they volunteer how it worked? I mean, that's the. I, I I'm like looking for no. someone who can just tell me definitively how it works. I want to know. I mean, again, obviously it's PCM, but I or. I should say, obviously, it, it, it is apparently PCM, but I would like to know how it works. Uh, so, uh, another couple of other folks here that um, had joined us. I wonder if anyone else wanted to, to jump in with their perspective on the the death of Optane, the, the sad and lonely death of of, of Optane. Um, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So maybe I'm kind of biased on my opinion here because I've been working on Optane for almost a year oh, now. Okay. Because that's uh, that's what I do research on. So I find essentially Optane to be a cool technology at the end of the day because uh, it kind of gives this byte addressability feature, although it's essentially a storage device and provides these 
huge increase in read performance especially random read performance so it was really hard for me to understand why you know maybe uh, economically it makes sense but uh, i i i strongly believe there could be killer apps i mean if intel allowed maybe a few more years to roll uh that's my opinion because i clearly have seen or built applications that have seen 2 to 3x performance improvements on optane itself or viewing optane as a storage medium i i, I totally understand that uh the cost might not make any sense at all but that that's well, what i feel well, what, well, what do you think what these cases might be vinay like what, what what are those killer what might potentially those killer apps have been that uh mm-hmm. and how and how would they get there in terms of the economics Right in terms of economics i have no clue right so i, uh, I think cxl essentially in my opinion cxl killed octane uh, uh, because now when pcie gen5 is going to give you such bandwidth capabilities that that what you get on octane dims uh, it doesn't really make sense to take that oh, that precious area that your real estate on the dims so i see it does make sense to put it on behind Jetpack and now that CXL offers uh, store interfaces again on the dump slot, uh, but as a as a as a technology in itself, providing byte addressability, I mean storage platform providing byte addressability and increased random read performance, a lot of algorithms that uh, have been traditionally designed for you know doing. traditional read uh, uh, read accesses traditional write accesses which are all sequential and also you know uh, doing block kind of accesses increased a lot of read write amplifications so all of that is going to go away if it's byte addressable so i find that super exciting honestly okay the- so I, i have a contrarian opinion there and, and actually <laughs> the, the thing i resent most about intel and optane is, is how hard they pushed all the research community to do stuff <laughs> and pre- presumably funded funded a lot of that but basically a huge amount of wasted time whereas what they should be doing is making memory virtual again because you could do all these things with virtual memory it's just mm-hmm. kind of slow these days why is it slow mm-hmm. well it's the cpu mhm So okay well, so, isn't so the, one, one isn't, well isn't it the media also i mean sure virtual the cpu can be slow but isn't no, no, the media also a it's 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 page faults were just too damn mm-hmm. slow mm-hmm. okay If page so faults the, were were getting as fast as as other things we we'd be doing amazing things with virtual memory and when you say page faults you're talking about paging something in from a backing store tom so th- this is yeah. like it's like a, what we call like a hard fault where you are that you've got something that is missing in dram because it's been paged out to a backing store right which, yeah. which is all that which is all that the obtain dim was was is well not really is right? doing because it in that, hardware not really because that's still slower right because if even if you did a page fault and you need to access something if it's not obtain you still need to do a 4 4kb block access but if it's a byte addressable device you don't need to do that additional amount the of optane optane used the optane dims used 128 byte cache lines right right essentially it was so that that was bytes. the minimum so so what about an architecture that had variable size variable size pages where you could have small mm-hmm. pages when you need them mm-hmm. uh yeah sure so that that's my point again right so you it's it's a good idea to provide byte addressability feature through the hardware itself rather than having a virtualization layer that will sub, that will kind of give you a a, a shard of 
by the disability because at the end of the day behind the scenes you will still be doing a large amount of uh, data transfers like you would want to avoid that data movement unnecessarily the whole point of opt-in or like by the disability storage is to be efficient in accesses right okay so yeah, I, I, i'm gonna make up a bunch of red hats and say make memory virtual again <laughs> well, and, and so one, one of the other things that I find very interesting across the board is that everyone thinks that Optane is a great solution to a problem they themselves do not have. And, and it, yeah. like, like academia looks at it and says, this is a really great solution because it's got these XYZ factors and it might be good to do this. And the people in industry who are doing this look at it and say, no, it costs too much it, or it. It doesn't actually behave well according to XYZ real-world conditions. Um, and, like, you know, the, the media obviously looks at it and says, yeah, this looks like it ought to be good for something. But there, there's a pretty decent number of people on this call who have all looked at Optane and said, yeah, you know, it's probably good for something, but not me. Um, and with the exception of Vast and Hana, I, I don't think I can really name many people who said, yeah, it's a good solution for me. Well, and then, Matt, I think it's a good point. And then you also have to think, like, all right, if that's the problem you've got, is this the best solution? Is this the most economic solution? I mean, I, I think, I, Vinay, I think, first of all, thank you very much for joining. And it's great to get your perspective. I, I won't let Tom beat you up too much for being, you know, I, the Tom's treating you like an Intel marketing arm. You know, we've got to, I think it's great <laughs> that Intel, I, I don't care if research is funded by Intel. I actually think it's good that Intel is funding research. Also, honestly, uh, I don't think, I don't think I'm funded by, by it's being <laughs> honesty. All right, well, that, it's okay if you are. It's fine. It, it doesn't. Uh, but the I I, um, I do think that the economics, and I mean this is something that I do think is important, is that economics is very important in the, in our industry, and it's a very important dimension of computer architecture. And it's tough to factor that out. Certainly, we can't factor that out. Um, I would also say that power is something increasingly that we can't factor out. I think power has been often factored out and you've got to, you know, as we, as we know at Oxide, I, mean, I, I think like, I, I, I like the idea of smart NICs, for example, but smart NICs come at a, a, a power consumption, a rate of power consumption that is really problematic when you start deploying racks and racks in them. Um, so I, I actually think you've got, you've got to, you can't factor that stuff completely out. I also wonder, so you said it's like two to three X for random read workloads and presumably you're looking at the, you've got workloads that exceed the working set of DRAM, but are small enough to fit in Optane. Is that a fair summary? Right, right. So uh, you, now I think maybe this might not be a realistic setting where I, in one in one configuration, I viewed Optane as the final storage medium that you would want to reside the data on, right? Like, if you you have DAXFS on top of Optane, uh, the that's the essentially the file system in the app direct mode that you would configure Optane in, and you would treat all the data that that there is uh, that's there on on it as the final destination. So it's not as if whether is the data going uh, is if the data is not going to fit in in the DRAM, then it's going to fit into Optane, but it's uh, it's not about data that's not going to fit into Optane. You're essentially right. Like what, whatever you said is, is what I looked into. Right. right. Okay. I mean, I've seen, I think, a terabyte Optane DIM versus mm -hmm. a two fifty six gig DDR four R DIM. Right. Mm -hmm. They they make mm -hmm. terabytes now. Right. right. Mm -hmm. So so you're talking at most a four x increase in capacity, 
at basically mm-hmm. the price of DRAM. Which That's right. Pr- price per gig of DRAM. Mm-hmm. Is it the price? Isn't it more more expensive than DRAM? Right from a I, price per gig perspective. You, you know, de- depending on how you want to fudge the numbers around for them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, certainly by the end, I think Intel was, and actually Intel is sitting on a bunch of inventory. That's this is the real question: is what happens now that the now that this the, the kind of the, this thing is this body has kind of toppled over on the Silicon Valley Serengeti. Who are the scavengers that come and pick up the opt-in inventory? What happens well, to that? Well, no, I, I think it comes down to what you were talking about, Brian. I mean, no, nobody builds... Uh, I mean, very few people build large-scale memory systems nowadays, right? It's all... Uh, it's usually you span out and don't don't scale up. So this is a very nice solution for scaling up, especially when you want higher memory density. When you... Uh, when you want to populate or buy larger, like let's say 512 GB DDR4 memory, it's going to be very costly to build such kind of machine, right? But if you have a mix of DDR4 and Optane, it'll be much cheaper. This is what the presumption but, that Intel did. Vinay, you're, but we're still in denial here. You're, you're, you're talking because <laughs> you're talking about Optane like it's right. going to be something that you can buy. Right, right. Adam, let him mourn. Let him mourn in his own way. Yeah, exactly. This this is an intervention. (laughs) Building it out of Optane is actually any cheaper than building it out of DRAM is, which is really like the big killer, right? Right. Like, (laughs) you know, I, I. I kind of like the fact that Vinay has brought his smelling salts to the funeral and is trying to revive Optane. I think there's, the, <laughs> I, I, I feel like there's something charming in it. Um, well, like, it, and and I, I will I will grant that Optane as a underlying technology would have been really interesting. I mean, I I came to it more from the Micron side than the Intel side. Like, I've I talked to Micron in the past about like. Hey, you know, can we just buy those chips? Because like, I'm I'm not running Xeons here. I'm I'm building, you know, totally. Build hey, oh, oh, okay, like, okay, so like Matt, I'm dying to ask you. Performance. Yeah. Did, did did mom shit on dad the same way that dad shit on mom? I mean, oh, how did well, they? Well, well, so in in Micron's words, Intel threatened to sue us if we sold it ourselves. Okay, <laughs> so th- 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 like, this this marriage is going south. Like, this marriage like is... you know. Like they, they, they basically said that they had like Intel put in most of the R and D money on it and therefore claimed most of the IP rights on it. And therefore the pricing from Micron would have been even worse than the pricing from Intel. Because remember, Intel was selling this at a loss right up till the end. Right. Uh, I mean, so like, like they, they were like, yeah, I mean, we, we could in theory try to make a commercial product and sell it and we'd sell like two of them, you know? <laughs> Right. And so, I mean, they were trying to make the economics, I mean, they were trying to defy the economics, clearly like the, and if it would be helpful to know how it actually worked to understand, I assume that like part of the problem is just in the actual fabrication of this. So, well, it, so well, I have so, some interesting, so, I have some interesting notes on that. Yeah, yeah, go for it. So um, from, from our man on the inside. Mr. Shrub. Uh, he, he's, uh, who's, who would love to join but can't, um, t- uh, t- tells me that there's a warehouse full of um, Optane both raw SSD and in the dim form factor just sitting there. And the plan is to, to draw out of that and manufacture things out of that um, until the EOL and doesn't know the date of that. He refers to this as the strategic opt-in reserve. Oh, no, um, no, no, I'm getting a little concerned because we've already described him as like drinking a little bit of the Kool-Aid. I mean, clearly that's a Jonestown reference. This is just... <laughs> 
this I, I like where you're going feels like this, I, is there a rapture that's going to come? <laughs> I, I, I feel like there's a, um, is Ryan, Judgment Day coming? Is Octane going to judge the living and the dead? I just so, I, so I'm concerned. So apparently, one of the big challenges of Octane <laughs> no, Brian, was the Memrister will rise from the dead after three days. <laughs> there you go. So uh, apparently, one of the big challenges with Optane was with the Fab and. One of the differences between Optane and Flash and his of the details was that like Flash could be switched out for you know MLC or TLC or SLC or QLC on, with without a huge amount of overhead, whereas Optane, it you know based for reasons he doesn't fully understand, it, they basically had to dedicate the fab to this, and so huh. what they what they did recently is did a big run of Optane. That is the last obtain oh that will that, that we humanity so, will ever have, and it's sitting so, around in various states of completion. So, Adam, I, I would also add to that that it's not just that you can switch the fab between SLC and TLC and 2LC and QLC. You can actually switch chips at runtime on a page level between those different modes if they're higher level. Um. And, and you can trade reliability for capacity in real time, which is something that I've, I mean, who knows with Intel, like Intel clearly Optane can do it because it's magic, magic memory, but you know. So Matt, are you saying that, cause I do think this is kind of an interesting point about like how, I mean, a traditional way, if you're in semiconductor manufacturing, you've got ways to change yield. You can bend things. You can, I mean, the end it's been done for time memorial where you are able to take parts that don't have that aren't performing as well and then those get binned differently are you implying that optane doesn't have perhaps some of those advantages and therefore economically it's just they've got a they don't have this ability to uh kind of dynamically change the yield which makes sense again i don't so I, I mean i think i i can since no one knows how it works, I'm, I'm somewhat <laughs> hypothesizing here, right? Right. I think I think what happened was basically, um, you know, like with typical flash memory, you'll have a whole bunch of pages that get lumped together in a chip, um, and you get to, you know, what, like flash memory doesn't come with a statement saying this is a two terabyte chip. It comes with a statement this is a two point one terabyte chip. And by the way, there's you know five percent of this isn't bad. Figure it out for yourself. It's left as an exercise to the reader. But by the way, we guarantee page zero is good. So at least you know where to store your table of all the other people who are bad, right? Um, and you can go through and you can change your error correction. You can do other things to to try to keep this you know keep this whole circus running. Um, I think Optane, what they ended up doing, just given the fact that there's a lot of mysticism and there's a, a, this <laughs> highly intelligent controller and there is this DRAM cache on DIM, I think what they basically ended up doing was stripping away 100% of everything they had planned for process yield and basically saying, well, we think we can make this work if we fix it all in software. Oh, God. Um, and, and so basically, like... If, if you are having yield issues, which it sounds like from all sources they were, um, like my, my best guess is they're they, like, I, it sounds kind of insane. Oops, not sure. If... Adam, can you? Yes, you were, you were there, but Matt seems to be gone. Okay. 
Uh, I, I, but, so I think where, where he's going is, is that the Optane's not going away. It's just being frozen for future generations to revive. <laughs> <laughs> it's being cryogenically frozen. Uh, so, hey, there are some other folks that I, uh, Wes and, and Siddhartha wanted to get you, give you the opportunity to, to hop in here. Yeah, thanks, Brian. I was at IBM when all this was going down. Yeah. And, um, one thing that IBM was interested in for years was putting a PCM on DIMMs. And IBM had already moved the memory controller out to the DIMM, so each DIMM could have its own memory controller that was specialized for what was on it. So you could have, you know, a DRAM memory controller, or you could have a PCM DIMM with a PCM memory controller. So when Optane came out, IBM was like, great, let's, it's obviously PCM, let's buy it. And hmm. we heard from Micron that, like, oh, yeah, the, the chips that we sell are only for storage, you can't use them for DIMMs. Because, and somebody else already said this basically, you know, Intel basically owns the idea of the DIMMs. Oh boy. And, you know, they wanted that Xeon lock-in, so they didn't want, like, even IBM to be able to make, you know... Oh. <sighs> In, in, Intel's Intel, always doing Intel, this with their Intel. new stuff. Intel, come but, on! Yeah. That, they put so is, many marketing restrictions on things that they don't let other people figure out how to use them. But it's like, talk about not dancing with what brought you. I mean, that's not what made Intel the company that it is. So and, I, I think Micron was almost like a fake partner. That's how I think about it. That it, <laughs> it seems like Intel did all the work. You know, Intel actually developed it. Intel was the only customer for it. And Micron was like a, a third wheel or something that was just not needed. Micron was Intel's beard for uh, just to go home with the family. So was, yeah, was, I mean, did they need a manufacturing part? Or what was the, I mean, what was the genesis? I, I, yeah, I, don't, I have no idea. Can somebody please write a book about all this so we can read it? So I, I was going to say, I, I, I think the fab uh, from the Micron side was probably what Intel really needed because they didn't want to cut down for, uh, capacity in their main thing. And they already had, you know, been dinged hugely for their uh, logic stuff around that time, right? So that's A. But B, I actually don't think generally PCM or any of the quote-unquote memory stores are dead. Although caveat, you know, uh, here that this is also a lot of what my research is on, so I am biased. But uh, uh, give, I mean, I think IBM has been showing... PCM down at 14 nanometers. Uh, TSMC is offering resistive RAM in commercial now, so not even risk. So I'm not quite sure that they're dead as a general concept. They might yeah. be dead. Uh, I mean, updating specifically. I mean, I hope not, honestly. I mean, I actually, I, I just think just to kind of, and maybe this is going to bring us around to where we started, but I, I think it's really important that we are actively engaged in researching alternatives and and that we some of these alternatives that are showing promise like PCM even that's been around for a long time but like continuing to develop that I think is really important because I think we we it's just important to kind of develop this in the right way we can't lose track of the economics but I I think I'm glad that that I guess I don't I don't view PCM as being necessarily dead I just, I view Optane's embodiment of PCM despite whatever whatever our uh, Mr. Snrub thinks about the, the, the coming the coming rapture of Optane memory. So, Adam, what happens with the warehouse of Optane? The, the, the... They, they draw down to for, um, for like, replacements. So, like, 
they've got some contracts in place. They've got some parts under warranty. And I guess this, this sort of Indiana Jones-like warehouse just, just gets drawn down as it's needed um, until they finally say, you know, we're, we're out, or they, they take what's left and throw it out back. So actually, a quick question. Has anyone used Optane systems like uh, amongst you all? So have you had user experience, quote unquote, from that side? Um, so, I mean, uh, the Aryan did. Um, I did not. Uh, we did not because it was never it, it, we just couldn't make it economically pencil out. And then also the fact that they wouldn't describe how it worked and then it was kind of like constantly shifting about what the focus was. So. I think we, and by we, I mean uh, at originally at Joint and now at Oxide, I think we're probably like a lot of folks. It's like definitely interested, definitely curious, but not in this embodiment. And so, no, we, did, we didn't. Adam, you, you never used it, right? Uh, I mean, not, not in anger. I like benchmarked a drive uh, really out of curiosity, and it was fast. But for all the reasons that you just described, it didn't go beyond that. Because yeah, I kind of wonder if it went down the same way, you know, the PS3 cell did. It, it, the performance was amazing, but then expensive to make. And then just the programming model was so bad that, you know, no one really wanted to. So that might, because honestly, that's one of those things that um, I think ends up killing a lot of these products. It's not so much, I mean, Intel and all, regardless of what anyone else says, their hardware is good. Like they have really clever people, right? I think the problem ends up being once you go up the abstraction layer, like, it's just really difficult to think about what kind of correct programming model you should use for a lot of these memories. Okay, I think so, that can end up being uh, a major issue. I, I think that by pushing a new programming model, they hurt themselves. They, they should, they should yeah, have yeah, yeah, yeah. said, this is really useful before you do any software. But most uh, people couldn't, couldn't so do that. I think if it had been really compelling and if it had been economically compelling, we would have dealt with it in software. We would have found a way. And it w- may have been a new abstraction, but I think the cell comparison is interesting. I disagree with it, but it's interesting because the it, I, I mean, cell had a super wacky programming model, and I, and I know that uh, Jonathan was on here earlier, and we went into that in our our episode with Jonathan Blow talking about cell a lot, which is really interesting on 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 the metal. But the I don't think that this is so radically different that it couldn't have been programmed around and i think if it had economically delivered and certainly we've seen this the things that are indisputable things like you know uh smp i mean smp changed things radically for software but it also was economically indisputable so we dealt with it uh things like caching right caching caching made software system software like quite a bit more complicated but economically it was indisputable so we dealt with it so i feel that if it had been if it had delivered on the performance and the economics we would have dealt with it no question I think that we, um, so I so I think it's an interesting kind of proposition, but um, I, and certainly the fact that to the degree that it require any additional, you know, a, a change in the programming model that didn't help. I mean, one question is like, does the non volatility even matter? Certainly for Fanasius' case, the non volatility wasn't all that important because he's thinking of just as like dims effectively. Yeah. But but Brian, I, I can argue that for SMP, it took decades to sort out the. It did. It, 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 took, right. it took, it took, it didn't take decades. I mean, it, yeah, took, people, it was a mess a little bit, but it yeah. also was like, it, 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 it was a mess, but it was also economically indisputable. I mean, there yeah, was like, yeah. the, the, there was just no way you were going to get away with being a unit processor operating system. Folks tried, right? There were, there were S&P deniers 
right? Like, didn't HPUX famously have the entire operating system run on one core they, or one CPU? They ran only applications. It's like, obviously, that's not going to work. And you the, ultimately, everybody had to adopt SMP. And there were people that believed you couldn't make the system scale, and you can. Um, because, because the economics always win. This is kind of what, it's my feeling. It's still, and, still kind of a mess, though. Like, what's the right argument to put after make dash J? <laughs> your, your OS still has no idea. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, okay. I fair. Although I think that that's for other reasons. I do think that like the the opacity of the uh, of the system in terms uh, that makes that that's harder than it should otherwise be. Um, but we are you are able to run a, a big parallel make, and you are able to leverage all those cores, and we and we're not going back from that. Right, and we're not we're not going back from CPGPUs either. Yeah, it's true. It's just if there's two of you, you will you will fight to the death over those cores if you both try to run that parallel make together, and your OS will have no idea what to do about it. That is true. That is true. Um, but I, I just mean, feel like yeah. I mean, there was still a simple abstraction as well available on Optin. To honestly speaking, right? There was still a file system that you can put on those Optin dims, and you can map a file and use it as a biodisciple um, malloc area. So, like, I agree with you, Brian, that if it made economical sense, there was there were ways. Oh, I'm not sure. Vinay, did Vinay go away for everyone or just me? Oh, for I don't know. Oh, All right. Oh, am I audible? I, yeah, it's Twitter Spaces. I, I, if if only Optane could have solved the Twitter Spaces problem. <laughs> Um, all right, Mark, okay. I think we're going Can you hear me yeah, now? Yeah, we can hear you now, yes. Okay, perfect. So, yeah, like I was saying, there was, there was always a, a simple abstraction on Optane available. Like, for example, you could just put a file system on these Optane dims and then uh, memory map a file and use it as a malloced area to do all your biodisciple interactions with it, right? Uh, so I, I agree with you, Brian, that there is always a, there was always ways if, if, it's, if it economically makes sense in the software layer. Yes, if it economically makes sense, we're going to deal with it. Um, I mean, look, like no one's on x86 by choice. Jesus, I mean, we we would be on a different instruction set architecture. We had, we went through a lot of pain for to to accommodate x86. All right, Mark, I think we're going to let you get the last word in here. So, kind of uh, wrap up. What's your uh, welcome to the Optane funeral? What are your uh, yeah, I'm truly sad about it, actually. Um, I actually am using Optane in production. It's about twice as fast as NAND Flash when it comes to pulling data sequentially off of it, and about four times faster at random 4K reads. But overall, given the price of these Optane drives, it's actually just not worth it, because they're basically 10 times the cost for maybe two times to four times the performance. Yeah. Yeah. That is what that's a just a gutting note to end on. I mean, because that's it, right, Mark? I mean, that is basically that's kind of the beginning and end of it. It's like, hey, I've, I'm you're using it in production. The technology works at some level. Um, it's just that it economically is like juice isn't worth the squeeze. Whereas NAND was the opposite ratio. It was like, you know, ten times faster. And and you know two x the price not not precisely but it was more of those kinds of orders of magnitude or more of those kinds of scale than than this inverse. I was really hoping the economy of scale was going to fix that, but apparently that's not ever going to be the case. So I'm 
I'm not doing anything special in my Rust code to say that this is an Optane drive that you're writing to, so I'm probably leaving some performance on the table. But even so, like, it's a it's a big hill to climb when it comes to getting another 5x performance out of it. I don't think programming is going to do that. However, the IOPS from it are absolutely incredible. Like 1.5 million IOPS on a single drive is really nice. And then, Mark, I, I assume you have an application where you the, the, the kind of the, the data set that you're working with exceeds DRAM and fits nicely in that the, the, the span of the Optane drive. I don't know. Actually, I needed it specifically because I needed the storage to be absolutely bomb-proof. And so hmm. when I write to the drive, I want to make sure that when it's written, when the OS says it's written, it actually is truly written out and not hitting a DRAM cache before the flash. So I wanted to make sure that it absolutely was on storage uh, when, it, when I get back the call from the OS saying that, yes, this is written. So you actually are using this for its write performance. I mean, that's yeah, the... I'm using it for, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm using it for uh, an SQL light database of all things. Um, basically, Wendell Wilson of Level 1 Techs uh, put me onto the drives after saying, like, you can see pretty significant performance in this one specific case when you're writing to an SQL light database where it will be at least twice as fast as what you are before. That's And you're able to have all the internet hang off of a single SQL. SQLite database or whatever it is. I yeah, mean, you, exactly. you, you've got a use case that really needs that performance that is able to, to, to have that performance shine. Yeah, and, and that's like the only reason why I kept the drives at this point because I can't really guarantee it properly without doing a bunch more programming work to make sure it works somewhere else. And okay, then I've got to ask you though, that does the limitation with respect to Intel CPUs, does that bother you? Because you're obviously having to use, you know, ISO. So actually, I'm running on whatever. AMD Epic. Well, I'm running on a Mon chip. Because it's just like, it's you to Oh, because you're using the drive. You're using the drive. Yeah, right. I'm using a P5800X. Right. You're using the actually. And so has the DIM form factor ever been tempting or no? Because of the, you're using Milan, so. No, the DIM form yeah, factor is no, not the tempting. tempting for me. Um, I mean, yeah. um, my data set is not big. Um, my entire application will live in one gig of memory. And I keep on like installing Debian and it's like keeps on telling me, hey, you need swap. Like, I definitely don't need swap. You're going to have to trust me on this. I just need right, <laughs> right. performance. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I feel that this is a fitting end. I, I mean, Mark, I feel that like you, that, that's a fitting final word. Uh, it's just like, hey, economics are really, really important in architecture. And this thing was interesting and promising. And the underlying technology in terms of PCM is not dead. And we may see alternative physics that, that ultimately break the economic barrier, but it ain't obtained. Yeah, I wanted it to be good, but it just, it, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Well, rest in peace, Optane. Uh, roll on Optane Rapture for those who are waiting for the warehouse of Optane to come again and judge the living and the dead. Um, and yeah, Adam, any final thoughts? No, I mean, always a, uh, you know, a, a solution in search of a problem that it never quite found. And there we go. All right. Well, hey, thanks everyone for joining. Uh, hey, in, in a very uh, in, in uncharacteristic act of advanced planning, uh, we actually know what our next two Twitter spaces are going to be. So we're going to do uh, next week. Uh, we are very excited to have Kate Hicks 
from the Oxide team talking supply chain. So, Adam, I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, so, uh, you know, it's a question that's come up for p- people asking what we're doing at Oxide about the supply chain. Uh, Kate, uh, who was at, at Apple and actually Intel briefly before coming to Oxide, um, has been instrumental in what we've done about the supply chain. So really looking forward to getting Kate's perspective. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. And then the week after, um, we're going to have uh, Eric on the engineering team, who you've heard from Tales from the Bring Up Lab, um, along with a couple of other folks um, talking about bringing up our 100 gig backplane um, and all of the adventures there. We used to be, you know, Oxide uh, needed a 499 ohm resistor and to live. Uh, if, you, if you had listened closely to our Tales from the Bring Up Lab or more Tales from the Bring Up Lab, uh, and that has been bested by the 100 ohm resistor that we needed to get the cable backplane to work properly. But um, we're going to talk all about that and about signal integrity. It should be a great Twitter space. And that's coming up in two weeks. So join us then. Thanks, as always. Thank you, everyone, for, for, uh, for participating. Um, those of you who are actually running SAP HANA, we're pretty sure it's not actually your parents. So don't worry. That's actually <laughs> it's not a trade. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Take care. Everyone.